to stand and sing, I stand in awe in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord, in whom the wisdom of the ages lies, for whom the raging of the sea subsides.
as we go to prayer, I wonder if we can sing down from his glory every living story. Down from his don't have any spoken prayer requests, but if you have a need, let's lift it up before the Lord. Season will answer your prayer. We want to remember the Titus family with the passing of our sister, Vandy.
blessed be your name, Lord Jesus, our Father, our King, our Creator, our life, our reality, the only truth, the only way, Lord, the God of the Bible, the God of this message, the God of William, Mary, and Branham, the God of our born-again souls. There's only one, and we worship you. And Lord, we invite you, Lord Jesus. You've invited us, Lord Jesus, but we invite you back, Lord. You want to be in our presence, Lord Jesus, and we want to be in your presence, Lord. We wouldn't want to be anywhere else tonight, Lord Jesus. We want to be in your perfect will, in your presence. We want to sit at your feet, Lord Jesus, and and hear your voice, hear your message to us. Tell us what we're doing what we're doing, Lord, where we're going, Lord, who we are, Lord. We need to know more. We, need, we want more of you, Lord. We want to be closer to you, Lord. We don't want to leave the same way we came, Lord. Lord, we have a, all have a hunger. We all have a burning hunger, Lord Jesus. Remind us that that hunger is for you and you only, Lord. We just want to eat. We just want to eat your word tonight, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we think of our, our Brothers and sisters, Lord, some are off to Europe, Lord Jesus, to gather with other saints. and Some are off to Louisiana, Lord Jesus, for the same. And But Lord, we're in camp tonight. Even here, Lord Jesus, our expectations are high. Not another Wednesday night, Lord. It's, it's We all come with a need, Lord. Whatever that might be, Lord, you know it. You even know it better than we do, Lord. Lord, we know that you will meet that need even tonight, Lord Jesus, if we just surrender ourselves, if we just expect, Lord Jesus, you want us to expect. We just want you love. And Lord Jesus, we still be with the Titus family, Lord Jesus. Lord, comfort their hearts, Lord. None of it's been in vanity. Nothing's out of place. That family's in your perfect will, Lord Jesus, and we just trust We stand with our brother as he applies his token to his son and his daughter, Lord Jesus. And we trust, Lord Jesus, that they'll all be there, Lord. No one will be missing, Lord. Everyone we love, everyone that loves us, Lord. Because you care about us. And it wouldn't be heaven without them, Lord Jesus. We just trust you. We love you. Lord Jesus, we just just thank you for the gift that you put in Brother Tim, Lord. May we receive it the way that you give it, Lord, just with faith and trust. We bless your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Brother Curtis. You may have your seats this evening. Our brother Michael and his sister Jess have a special for us. So as they come, we have a few announcements. Uh, There will be uh, Young People's next Friday, uh, April 14th at 7 p.m. in the gym. And then the dates for other young peoples up to June will be on the app. And then the Brother Richard uh, Yoka will be speaking um, the following weekend. Got moved to the 21st and the 23rd that weekend. Um, and the websites for the times will be, or the times will be on the website. So thank you guys.
I speak Jesus. Amen. Just as Brother Tim comes, we just keep this atmosphere. Amen. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus.
wonderful Redeemer, blessed Savior, we worship you. We magnify you. Holy, holy thou art. Name above every name. Oh, Lord, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. How great thou art, Lord. How wonderful. How marvelous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wonderful Heavenly Father, as we stand in your presence this evening, Lord, we thank you that it has been told to us whatever we ask the Father in the name of Jesus, believing we shall have what we ask for. That name of Jesus is above every name, worthy of all praise, worthy of adoration, Lord, and we do adore you, especially, Lord, coming up to Easter. But, Lord, Easter is not once a year for us. Our life is an Easter. Our life is an ongoing resurrection. Our life is an ongoing quickening, O God. It's a redemptive work in the life of the bride of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, how we love you and we thank you, Lord, for your grace in our lives. We thank you for Easter. We thank you, Lord, for the crucifixion, but not just for the sacrifice of Calvary, but we thank you for Easter morning that proved that the sacrifice was accepted. Oh, Lord, you rose from the dead forevermore to make intercession. That work is finished, oh God. The promises are paid for. And we come tonight in faith unto you. As has already been prayed, Lord, this is not just a Wednesday night. This is another day in the life of every believer walking with their Lord, their Redeemer, their lover of their souls, their husband. We thank you, Lord, for it. And as we turn back the pages of your word, I pray, Father, that you'll just take this service the direction you want it to go. There's always more word than we can preach in any one service. But, Lord, we just ask, because you are the word, and you know and are the discerner of of the thoughts and intents of every heart, Lord. There's no heart hidden from you. Lord, we pray that you'll just direct the word to the believer's heart, Lord, for your glory as we commit this to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be here. Welcome those that are with us also on the streaming. You know, it's it's uh, doesn't matter where you are, wherever two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst of them. And uh, I I got a testimony from a sister. I don't see her in the congregation. Um, that uh, but she was maybe she's streaming again tonight. She has little children, uh, her and her husband, and and uh, she was streaming. I think one of the children was sick, and uh, she was at home streaming the service, and I was preaching, and, and, she, and I said something like, I, in the middle of the service, I said something like, uh, I think I better skip over that part. Uh, 
uh, something like that. And she, I think she said out loud, no, don't do that. Don't skip over that part. It was just a couple minutes later I said, I can't skip it. The Lord is telling me to go back to it. And, and that really spoke to her, that God was present there at home where she was. And, you know, so if you're tonight not able to be in service, but you're streaming, God bless you. And uh, may God speak to you there as God speaks to us here. Do you love the Lord? Amen. Amen. May he grant that, I, I, I saw a tremendous quote this week, a tremendous statement Brother Branham made. Maybe I'll just share it. You know, he said, he said, visions never healed anybody. He said, but uh, visions just cause people to recognize that there's a supernatural being present. And that gives the people faith. And so I pray that the Lord will help us to see tonight. I don't see visions. I've maybe seen but one or two in my entire life. But uh, may he help us to see somehow that there is a supernatural being present. And may that encourage our faith tonight. Amen? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I believe he's here. And he's because he said he'd be here and he always keeps his word. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. Sorry to keep you standing. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. It would be no new statement uh, to believers if I would say tonight we're in the end times. Well, how many times have we heard that? How many services have we, have we heard those words? How many messages have we listened to? How many books have we read? How many scriptures have we read that have pointed to this fact? And, and since the gospel was rejected in the 50s, 1956, as Brother Brown says, America will either accept or reject the gospel this year. In other words, America was coming to the end of its revival, for they rejected, that was, that was the pinnacle of America, and they rejected the message that was sent in their midst. You know, kind of like Jesus looking over Jerusalem as he came up to that Easter time, as we call it, as he said, oh, Jerusalem, how oft I would have hovered you as a hen would her brood, but you would not. It's not that God didn't have a desire. It's not that Jesus didn't have a desire to reveal himself, but the people didn't want the message. 
The people didn't want the word that was sent to them in that day. And, and, and as we see the message of the hour, and we are blessed to have a message that gives us an insight that the world doesn't have. Because the world looks at the decline of America, and America is in decline. And it, it, the last great civilization upon the face of the earth, and the world kind of in a political or natural sphere looks at it and goes, well, if America declines, you know, is China the next superpower? Is Russia the next superpower? Is it going to arise a one world order? What will the political system of the world be in the future? But we have the light of the word of the hour that shines back to the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw in a dream. And in that dream, he saw the different kingdoms that would come down onto the end time and that this would be the last civilization. It would be over after this. We're not looking for another kingdom to rise. We're not looking for another, uh, another system to, another superpower to rise up on the earth where it's not going to be the Chinese with their billion and a half people or the Indians with their billion and a half people or whatever it is or whatever it might be. It's not going to be America's going to rise up again. I was noticing today that there were some Christians in America that were saying, you know, pray for America. And, you know, they were actually saying, Pray for Mr. Trump in his current troubles because pray that he'll restore America to its glory. It won't happen. Trump isn't their deliverer. God sent an end time message. And after that message is rejected, that message is the rock that strikes the feet of the image that destroys all the civilization that extended down from Babylon through Rome on down into this age. We're at the end time. And because we're at the end time, we realize that there's an urgency to this hour. There is an urgency. Brother Branham says in 58, he says, the message is urgent. He says this in several places. He says, God's message is always urgent. And we, he says in 1961, he says, we haven't got time for 15 years of schooling. Maybe somebody might take that and say, well, there's not 15 years left. That's not what he meant. He said, There's, we don't have time for 15 years of schooling. The message is urgent. The world's at the end. The time is at hand. These very things that you'll see through this meeting proves that the next move is the coming of the Lord. The translation of the church. So there's many examples in the Bible of urgency. And Brother Branham uses them. And I'm not speaking just on urgency tonight. Uh, and I actually will, I'll give you my title. My title is Patience in the Midst of Urgency. Kind of a paradox. Patience in the Midst of Urgency. We find in the Bible, you know, there are times when, when it's time to be urgent. And Brother Bram says the message is always urgent. So I want you to catch that. Don't get caught away with my title and wonder where I'm going tonight. When, when Lot was brought out of Sodom, it was urgent. It was so urgent that when Lot tried to delay, the angels laid hands on him and took him out of the city. No, the destruction is now. 
You don't have any more time to wait. You don't have any more opportunity to win another soul as it might be. You know, one time the Shunammite woman was in the midst of, a, of an emergency situation when her son had died, and, and, and she, she knew that this was a time for urgency, and she told the servant, saddle the mule. And don't, don't slack the reins, but go forth very urgently and don't worry about me. Just go as hard as you can. We must get to the prophet because it, he must help us in this time of urgency. You know, there, there's when the shepherds were given the, the message as Jesus was born in a stable and the angels appeared and told them that Messiah was born in the stable there in Bethlehem. Unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given. And, and, and so they, they realized this is now scripture fulfilled. The word had come into manifestation in the day, in their day. And the Bible says the shepherds made haste from the field. They didn't just go, oh, well, we'll wait for the Wednesday service or, you know, we'll wait till the next church meeting or we'll set an appointment. Though they made haste. Now is the hour that the word was being manifested. Zacchaeus, Jesus spoke to him when he was up in the tree, says, make haste and come down. I'm just giving you several examples to show that there's an urgency to things. And Brother Branham, you know, kept talking about urgency. He says, he talks about the Shunammite woman, and he says, that's the way. The message is urgent. Don't stop. Keep going. Just keep moving. We don't have time for socials. We don't have time for picnics and card parties and things. The message is urgent. Let's get to God with it quickly. The world's a-dying. Amen. Are you with me? Let me read you a few things out of the message, Desperation. Brother Brown says, emergency, the emergency causes desperation. All right? These are things you've heard. He says, the day we're living in should cause the church to go completely into desperation. He says, I believe since the message this morning from God, not me, and that morning it was the token, he says, I believe it ought to throw the entire congregation into desperation. That we have played long enough. We've went to church long enough. We got to do something. We've heard these themes here before. He says, see the great mysteries hidden in the Bible opened up to us on a new field that we never knowed before and perfectly blends in to the coming of the Lord. He says, I believe that the reason we don't have desperation is because it's a lack of love. So he's, he's highlighting certain things. And, he, you know, Brother Branham in the message desperation says, often it takes circumstances to put human beings into desperation. That's just human nature. It, when things are going well, there's not much desperation. And, and so it, God has to allow things to come upon us. I was waiting for the amens on that one. I'm setting you up here. God has to allow things to come upon you to make sure that you're desperate the way that you ought to be desperate. And it's amazing sometimes to me how people will just kind of push things aside as God deals with them and, and just press right on in what they're pressing on. Don't worry, God's in control. Amen? 
But he says it's a lack of love. He says, I think the love of God causes, I think that the love of God causes desperation. If God is in you, the token inside you, and you see the condition of the times, people waiting in sin the way they are, it'll throw you into desperation. Talked about Jacob. Oh, I'd love to talk about Jacob. I'd love, I'd love to just preach on Jacob. You know, Jacob is such an example of God's grace. But yet in the midst of it all, he had a desperation. You know, but it took a certain something to bring him to the level of desperation that God wanted him to be in. Because he got the birthright by trading pottage for it. Is that right? And then he got the blessing by deceiving his father. Is that right? All right. So he thought, if I got the birthright and I got the blessing, what more is there? But there was more because it wasn't the, just the blessing of his father that God wanted to give him. It was the blessing of God himself. His father never told him, your name is Israel. His father just knew him as Jacob, supplanter. Shyster, as Brother Branham says. But God had a, had, there was something deeper in Jacob that God wanted to bring out. And as Jacob, after 20 years, came back to, to his homeland, and Esau was there and headed his way with 400 servants, and Jacob didn't know what the answer was, but yet God met him there at the brook, and Jacob wrestled all night. Amen. Brother Branham says he got in desperation till he got the assurance. And I want you to catch that line. Till he got the assurance. And you get desperate until you get the assurance. Notice he didn't say you get desperate until you get the miracle. He didn't say get desperate until you get the healing. He says you get desperate until you get the assurance. That's what we want to be desperate for, is to know that God's on our side. He says, wait till it's between life and death to you, then something will happen. He says, another place, you can't be desperate till God speaks to you. But we must be desperate or perish. There's coming for something from the Lord. I know it is thus saith the Lord. There's coming for something, and we better be desperate. It's between life and death. It'll pass through us, and we won't see it. How many want to miss it? I think we're unanimous. None of us want to miss it. If God's doing something, we want to see it. We want to catch it. We want to recognize it. And more than recognize it, we want it to recognize us. We want the move of God to come by our way. And sometimes we lose sight of that in the message of the hour because we think that, well, you know, I'm in the message and, you know, the message is a good thing and the message produces good results and, and uh, you know, if you really lay a hold on it, you'll really get something. It's more than that. The message is the last day's move of God that's moving through the land and it came by your way. He came by your way. Man doesn't seek God. God seeks man. And God came by your way with this truth to quicken you in the last days. It's a last days end time message. I, I was thinking about, you know, how that, uh, you remember the story last time I was in Ethiopia. There was a man that, that was there in a, it stopped, stopped me on the street and he didn't hardly speak English. 
and, and he says, you have to talk to this man in the car. And, uh, and, the, and I said, you know, you're in a foreign land, and you don't just take risk and go to meet somebody somewhere and, and leave. I was, just, I was just standing outside the church. And they said, no, you need to come over here and talk to this man in the car. Well, you don't know if the man in the car has a gun or, or what's going on and what's happening. And he's trying to convey to me, he says, no, this man met you before. And I said, where did he meet you? And he said, he met you in a church over here. And, and I said, well, I've never been in any other church than this church, so it's not me that he's talking about. And you know the story. And finally, I got one of the brothers from the church there to talk to him in his own language. And uh, he said, he, he told me the interpreted form, he says, he was in church that morning, and he was taken to a place. In other words, he was lost in a vision. You know, Ethiopians are actually very spiritual people. And, and he says he saw in a vision, and in the vision he saw a tall man dressed a certain way with glasses on, and long story short, he saw me in the vision. But he'd never met me before. And so him being a driver for the government, he, he, after the church was over, he went down the street, he happened to turn down the wrong street, ended up on the same street at the same time that I was standing there. And God pointed his attention out and he looked over and he recognized that's the man I saw in a vision. Who does that? God does that. And I stood there and preached to him for 15 minutes. I said, obviously God wants me to tell you something and I'm gonna tell you why I'm in Ethiopia. Because God has sent a message in these last days. He has fulfilled Malachi 4. He said he would send Elijah the prophet and this prophet would gather God's people in the last days back to the book of Acts truth and it would clothe the bride with the word of God because now is the time of the marriage of the lamb and I just laid it out to him that this message is sent to quicken a people people all over the world. And that's why me, a Canadian, is here in Ethiopia, and God said, you need to listen to me. I didn't say that. He said that. That's what you heard in the vision. And I, I was just really straight with him. Because the message is urgent. Amen. So we realize that we want to be in that kind of an attitude in these last days. Now, Paul, writing to the church in the book of Hebrews, he says, now, we desire that every one of you, he says, first of all, he says, God remembers your labor. God remembers your work in your ministry to the church and, and what you've done towards the body of Jesus Christ. He says, that's all wonderful. But now, he says, we desire that you show the same diligence the same effort, the same, uh, uh, if we could say it that way, the same urgency towards something else here. Now let me take a step back because Paul's not just saying you should. Paul's saying we desired of you, all right? We desire, that word desire is actually a strong word in the Bible and and uh, Jesus referred to the disciples, referred to it to the disciples as they were seeing things and hearing things and recognizing things that people of their generation were not recognizing. And they were identifying that they're in the midst 
of God revealing himself. And now Jesus says, blessed are your eyes for they see, and blessed are your ears for they hear. For many prophets and many, wise, many men of old desired to see what you see. Many of them desired to look into what you're looking into. Many of them desired to be here when this is here. And I could say the same thing to the church this evening in that do you realize that every church age messenger desired to be here? To see the things that you're seeing because of the message of the hour. That this is not something that, that it just another move of God. No, Luther desired to see what you see. I'll say as Luther trends, and I was thinking about this today uh, because I've read about Luther's life and, and, and felt, as it were, his feelings as he, he was burdened towards the Word and had a great desire to get the Word into the hands of the people because it was the revelation that the just shall live by faith that changed his life. He had been taught creeds and dogmas under the Catholic system. And when he got a hold of the Bible and got into the book of Romans and read that the just shall live by faith, he recognized that it is by faith alone and that by grace, not of works. None of his efforts was going to get him where he wanted to go. And as he translated the Bible into the German language, the local language, how he was burdened not just to put it into print, Listen, saints, we're not just burdened in missions to put this message into print. We're not just burdened to put it out into the, into the internet so people can feed on it all over the world. But Luther's burden was that, the, that the, the scriptures would give up their mysteries. He could read the scriptures with a heart of the Holy Ghost full of the Holy Ghost, quickened in his hour. And he, that Holy Ghost in him was yearning for the mysteries that would come forth from this book. They're laying there all the time, but they're hidden from the wise and prudent and revealed unto babes. And I'll say that the Word of God is only revealed in the age to which it is sent for. Because God interprets his word by bringing it to pass. I can see, you know, Columba, when he was putting this Bible together, and as he was uh, putting together the canon of the scripture, as, as he was deciding which books were inspired and which books were not inspired, God laid that burden upon him because it would be these pages of this Bible that would loose their mysteries. When Wesley preached in his day and he preached on sanctification and he put in the effort. Listen, do you know what Methodist means? How many know what Methodist means? How many actually know what that means? That's what I thought. The word Methodist was given to them because they had a method. They had a method about everything. They had a certain way in which they kept themselves clean. They had a certain way that they watched over each other. I'll tell you what, you young brothers and you young sisters could learn from the Methodists because they checked up on each other. I'm not talking about modern Methodists. I'm talking about when they were on fire with the Holy Ghost. You know, they, they had a certain way that they encouraged one another. And that they kept in the word and they provoked one another unto love and good works. And they had a certain, pro, not a program, but they had a certain way in which they were methodical in the things that they were doing. So people began to call them Methodists. 
But it wasn't just to have a method. They wanted to live a sanctified life. They wanted to remind themselves about the Word of God. They wanted to live for God every day, every hour. Are you here tonight? Every moment. It's the same desire that's in you. And they, they knew that there had to be more. And you, you follow out that inspiration to the different great preachers of that age. You, you go to, to whether it be Dwight Moody or whether it be Charles Finney or whether it be Charles Spurgeon or the different great name or Asbury or different ones that, that, that were moved of God in that hour under that anointed word of that hour. They were desiring more from the word of God. Charles Finney, I know, he he desired to preach on spiritual perfection as he came to the end of his ministry. In other words, he was saying, there's more. There's a greater perfecting. Let us go on unto perfection. And I'm just saying all these things to say, these men desire to see what you see. Hallelujah. What a message we have. These men searched these same scriptures and said, oh, that I could understand those things. But the Bible said, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, then all the mystery of God would be finished. As he declared to his servants, the prophets. Amen. Are you with me tonight? So Paul says, we desire this desire that Every one of you do show the same diligence. That same diligence to lay a hold. Now let me just read it the way it's written here. To the full assurance of hope unto the end. Be diligent to lay hold on the full assurance of your hope unto the end. We have to take this slowly because we'll often just breeze over these scriptures. Show diligence to lay hold of something. A full assurance. Now that word assurance or full assurance is one word. And they're not even sure the depth of its meaning. They, they, they translate it different ways. Full assurance. But he's But you could say the full assurance could also be translated full development of your hope. Hope, Brother Tom has ministered on it many times. Hope is not just hope so. Hope is an expectation. All right? So now you have an expectation. Every age has had an expectation. But now we have an expectation because the word that has been revealed in our day has brought us into the expectation of a rapture. Amen? Amen? But, but that full expectation or that full assurance of that expectation is what we must be diligent to lay a hold of. That no matter what onslaught you face in the age that you're living in, you have the assurance that what God has promised, he is able to perform. I don't care what comes my way. God keeps his word. It doesn't matter what trial I'm in. God keeps his word. 
It doesn't matter how upside down things look. God keeps his word. I know I labored on that much in the last service, talking about Job on the ash heap. Sometimes you might not have an answer, but the one thing you want to have is the full assurance of the provided sacrifice. You want to have a recognition that what God has promised, He will fulfill. And so God wants us to walk in the full measure of faith in the promise. Now, I have to go back here a little bit. Because He says now, that you be not slothful. This is just a Bible study here really tonight. Simple. That you be not slothful. The word slothful means sluggish. Goes back to one other usage in Hebrews chapter 4 or chapter 5 and verse 11 it says where it talks about Melchizedek. Now Paul's talking about Melchizedek. And brother Tom has ministered on that for a couple of Sundays. And he's talking about Melchizedek, and he says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. That word dull is the same word as slothful. All right? So that you're, you're slothful in your hearing. He's saying there's many things that we could bring out here on Melchizedek but you haven't been diligent. Rather, you're slothful in your hearing. You're not ready to embrace all that the Spirit is speaking to the church. This isn't, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about what Paul is speaking to the Hebrews here. And he's saying, there's things, and now there's a reason for their dullness, and we realize there's a reason because some of these mysteries are hid till the last days. And, and they're ours to partake of, and we thank God for that. But yet Paul goes on, he says, For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you'd have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. He's talking about adoption here. He's talking about maturity. He says strong meat, the ability to digest the strong meat of the word depends on your maturity. So he says to the church, don't be slothful. Don't be slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Don't be dull of hearing. It's all right if you're quiet right now. I know you're just digesting this. I'm really trying to be careful with my words because I want you to really catch what God's speaking. In the message, Christ the mystery of God revealed, Brother Branham is speaking on the seventh seal. Do we understand that? That's what I thought. It would be a quiet response to that. If you don't understand that, you need to understand that. Right at the beginning of Christ the mystery of God revealed, Brother Bram says, what I'm going to speak on today is the reason there was silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. What is that? That's the seventh seal. 
All right? And he says, the, and he says it's the coming of the Lord. In the VGR book, it's page 17 if you want to go and look at it. But then he, he talks about what he's speaking on, but then he goes to Luke 24, the road to Emmaus. As Jesus is walking on the road, expounding on the scriptures concerning themselves, as the disciples were saying, you know, we thought this and we thought that, and now the women have said he's not in the grave, and, and you know, we thought he was going to be the king of David, and we thought this and all of that, and, and Jesus rebukes him, stops him and rebukes him. He says, oh, fools and slow of heart, there's that same word, dull or slothful. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he began to expound to them the scriptures concerning himself. Is that right? All right. So now Jesus is expounding that to them and at the same time rebuking them. Is that right? He says, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And so he's, he's rebuking them. In other words, while I was with you, I explained these things to you, but you couldn't catch it. And you're still not catching it. And so he begins to go over again with them and begins at Moses and begins to relate in all the scriptures concerning the things that are unfolding right before their eyes. And the Bible says they recognized that their hearts burned within them as he spoke with them along the way. In other words, this was the message that was the answer to the seed gene that was in them. It was burning in their hearts. And so there, as he was ministering to them and, and telling them, you listen, you're just too dull of hearing right now, but you really need to catch this. Now, Brother Branham takes it in this age in the message, Christ the mystery of God revealed. He says, I'm speaking uh, on the seventh seal. And then he goes to that same passage and he says, like Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Hello, church. Hey, Amen. I love that message. Because I'm like, Lord, just open it up to me. Lord, my heart is yearning. My heart is burning. My heart is desiring. Let me receive everything that you have for me. And that's what Paul is speaking to the church here in the book of Hebrews. He says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Come to the full reality of the assurance of which you have been given in this hour. God has sent his message in this hour not just to make things urgent, but to make you realize that you have an assurance that what God has spoken, he will fulfill. Glory to God. He says, if you'll be diligent. Now, here we go. We come to our subject now. If you'll be diligent, you will have a full assurance. If you'll be diligent, it don't matter what you go through, you will have a full assurance. You will know that his word is infallible. You will know that God never makes mistakes. You will know that he will keep his promise to you that he will reveal himself to you. He says, I never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you right to the end of the age. But the problem we live in this hour, and Brother Tom has preached against Laodicea and against Laodicea, is a lack of diligence. 
I wish I had a million dollars. I'm not saying I wish that, but maybe that's a statement we can make. I wish in my current financial position, a million isn't even very much anymore. It seems like you got to be a millionaire just to own a house these days. You know, it's, it's just ridiculous. Million, a million dollars doesn't mean nothing anymore. You couldn't retire on a million dollars, I don't think. I don't know. You just live on whatever you have, like me. But nevertheless, if somebody said to you, but you have it, I want to tell you, you've got a million dollars. You'd immediately start to think, what does he mean? What is he getting at? Is there something I'm missing in my bank account? You'd go home and you'd check your online bank account. Is there a million dollars there? If I, if I, it's not a million dollars, it's not there. Well, maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's in my house somewhere. And you'd look up and you'd look down and you'd think about what is the depth of the meaning of that statement? He's telling me, and Brother Tim has never lied to me, but he's telling me that you have a million dollars. Now, don't worry, I'm not telling you that. But if I told you that, I wouldn't lie to you. If I knew you had it somewhere, I'd just say you got a million dollars. But you need to find it. But I want to tell you tonight, you have a full assurance. It's yours. If you'll lay hold of it. It's in your possession. If you'll be diligent. It's laying right in the revealing of the message of the hour. If you'll not be slothful. It's laying right there. A relationship with God, a personal relationship with God is laying right there. Hallelujah. Say, well, how is it? If it is it if I bow down on my knees at the altars, if I have Brother Michael pray for me or Brother Murphy pray for me, is it, is it if I go in the waters of baptism, is it here, is it there? I'll tell you what, it's laying right in the revealing of the Word. If you'll go to the Word and let God speak to you from the mysteries of the Word that have been revealed in this hour, it's not something that somebody's withholding from you. It's something you're withholding from yourself. Are you still with me? Brother, Brother Murphy spoke on the veils and uh, veil of the blood. And Hebrews 10 says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm sure he went into this. And not, to, not to add to anything he said, and I don't think I'm adding, I'm just re-repeating. But why do you have boldness? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, it's this veil, the flesh veil, that keeps us from God. If we didn't have this flesh, unbelieving, unredeemed flesh, you could step right across the curtain of time right now. Step into another dimension where you have another body already waiting for you. But you're trapped in this body. You're in prison in this body. But there's something that takes you into the presence of God, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. So therefore we have boldness, not because of the flesh, and let me reemphasize, not because of what we've done or what we haven't done. 
It has nothing to do with works, but it's by faith in the provided sacrifice, by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, we can enter into the presence of God. That's why Brother Branham says, if you need healing tonight, just go to God. If you've made a mistake, just put it under the blood. And with that under the blood, you have a right into the, into the presence of God. You have access into his presence because of Calvary 2,000 years ago, because of the blood. By a new and living way, the scripture says, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Now let me just before I pause before I read the next scripture. How many would like the ability, I think we all would, we would all love the ability to just at any moment step right into the presence of God and say, Lord, I need you. I'm in a situation. Well, what hinders us? It's not the urgency of the situation that hinders us. It's the lack of faith in the blood. Urgency won't take you there, but faith in the blood will take you there. The man that had the boy that was an epileptic, he had urgency. He was desperate. He says, Lord, I brought my boy to your disciples that they might heal him because he tries to kill himself, throws himself in the fire, throws himself in the water, all these kind of things. He says, and I, I can't seem to get relief for my boy. And, and, and Jesus says, he says, I can if you believe. He says, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief, which literally translated said, Lord, I believe, but help my lack of faith. He didn't have a lack of urgency. That's what I'm trying to show you tonight. We, we thank God we must be urgent, but urgency by itself won't take you there. But he had to have more faith. Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would be able to say to this mountain, be thou moved and cast into the sea. There is faith. And that's why Paul says, show all diligence to lay a hold on the full assurance of the promises. Lay a hold on the assurance that's yours to have. Then Hebrews 10 here, he says, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. That's all you need. Draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an even evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Amen. Are you with me so far? Amen. I said this is kind of a Bible study tonight. So then the desperation, the urgency, the diligence, all of those things is for one thing, to come to the full assurance. Not to have the miracle, but to have the assurance of the miracle. You caught that. The instantaneous, now I'm saying this real carefully so you'll understand. The instantaneousness, yes, that's a word, 
of the miracle only comes by faith, not by urgency. Urgency will push you. But you know what? There's ambulances going down the road today in urgency. The emergency rooms are full of people that are urgent. There's many people that are crying out to God. I saw, I saw a news item today when I was eating my lunch. Some guy had fallen into a, well, a tree well in skiing. Anybody seen that, that news article today? So just over here on Mount Baker, they were skiing on fresh powder. And he had, got, he had come over around a tree and, had, and the snow had collapsed and he had fallen head first into a tree well. He was off the course. There was nobody skiing that way. But there happened to be one skier go by and saw his snowboard on top of the snow upside down and saved his life. That man was urgent. But his urgency wasn't going to save him. Someone else had to save him. Hallelujah. You might be urgent, but I want to say to you tonight, somebody's here to save you. Hallelujah. If you can have faith in the supernatural one that's here amongst his people, he will save you. Hallelujah. Urgency many times is born out of fear. What did Jesus say? Fear not. It is I, be not afraid. But the new birth leads you into position. It leads you into a a process in your life and I don't really have time to go into all of this but he says when a man is saved Brother Brown says in what year is this 1960 when a man is saved that much of him is God he's just talking about a little bit like a button he says that much of him is God and that's the little light that comes in you to make you quit doing what's wrong it'll take all the malice and the envy, and the strife, and the unbelief out, that little button-like of the light and power of God will keep growing, 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 crowding out unbelief. Hallelujah. He says you don't do it by exhortations of bodily exercise. You do it by a sanctified, consecrated life that the Holy Spirit moves through you. Amen. Amen. So uh, I have a whole bunch of quotes there where Brother Branham in the same message, he talks about God is light. And that light comes into the individual, but it's just a button. And then when the person receives the light, like the, Shunammite, or like the woman at the well, how she received the light, something begins to grow. And it begins to push all the unbelief to the side. That's the new birth. You see, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. And it's a life that begins to grow. And it grows. And it grows. You can't get away from it. Because you've been quickened by the light of God. The light of God has come into your soul. It has illuminated your heart. It's created a life form, a nature within you that you didn't have no other way. You didn't have it when you were born naturally. But you had it by predestination in the mind of God. And when the word come by your way, you recognize this word as eagle food. And you took a hold of it. As Brother Branham said, you heard from your theophany. And that began to bring about a change in your life. Because that body is all light. 
but you were born in darkness. But light come in. And they begin to drive the darkness out. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Why? Because you're laying hold on the full assurance. Hallelujah. That you can stand like the, the Hebrew children when they went into the fire. And they said, we don't know if God's going to deliver us. But one thing we know, we won't bow to no idol. Because we have an assurance of the one that we serve. Daniel had the assurance of the one that he served. You have the assurance of the one that you serve. Paul said, don't be lazy about it. Lay hold on the full assurance. I think Brother Tom's been preaching on that. Lay hold on the full revelation of what it means to have deity inside of you. Lay a hold of the power of the light that has been placed in you, the believer, until your whole body becomes full of light. If your eye is single then your whole body is full of light. Let that illuminate your every being so that every circumstance that you find yourself in, you don't see darkness. You just see light. You just see a promise. You just see an answer. You just see a deliverance. And it doesn't matter how long it's going to take. You have the full assurance because if you have the full assurance, you have everything you have need of. So Hebrews 12 says, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and and the sin that does so easily beset you that we can be slothful in the race that is set before us. There's another paradoxical scripture that we can run with patience the race that is set before us. He's not just saying run the race. Run with patience. But neither is he saying walk. He doesn't say walk with patience, the race that is set before you. No, there's an urgency in every hour. But yet there's a patience in the midst of the urgency. There's a reality that we've come to the full assurance. We are at rest in Jesus Christ. We know and are persuaded that he is able to keep that which we have committed unto him against the day we're living in. Amen. We're here right now laying a hold of every promise. Abraham ran. He didn't walk with full assurance that what God promised he was able to perform. Romans chapter 4 says, and I have to be going quicker now, who against hope believed in hope, who against expectation believed in an expectation that he might become the father of many nations. This is Romans 4.18. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for the promised son. See, there's your Jack Ryan statement. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. He was strong in faith for 25 years. Praise God, I'm the father of nations. How many children you got, Abraham? That's irrelevant. God said it. I'm just walking in the full assurance of the promise that what he said, he's more than able to perform. Amen. And being fully persuaded 
what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Hallelujah. May God look, may God look in my heart and see faith. May God look down on me and see a full assurance that what he has promised, he is able to perform. May the supernatural one that is present tonight draw near to each and every one of us with our hearts in a full assurance of faith. Lord, you know what I've committed to you. You know, Lord, what's in my heart. And I believe you, Lord. I believe your promise. And if all I have tonight is desperation and I don't have full assurance, then may I use my desperation to take me to the full assurance. Desperation's not there to take you to frustration. Desperation's not there to take you to discouragement. Desperation's not there to take you somewhere else. Desperation is the urgency of the heart that says there's more for me than what I presently have. And let it take me all the way to the full assurance. No, the fruit of the Spirit, it's interesting, of course, that the fruit of the Spirit and starts with love and the stature of a perfect man ends with love. Because the fruit of the Spirit is in our soul, the stature of a perfect man is the molding of our spirit or mind. The soul is sealed to the day of our redemption. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I'm sure I can recite it, but I just better make sure I read all of them. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, did you see urgency in there? I didn't. I didn't see desperation in there. I saw peace. I saw love. I saw joy. Come to the full assurance of these things. Be diligent and lay hold on these things to the full assurance of the promise. The Bible says in Romans 5, are you still with me? All right. Romans 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. you got something to rejoice about. And not only so, all right, he said, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. Amen? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience. And experience, hope or expectation. So God is taking us through things. Let me, let me read it the way Brother Branham said just to save time. He says in the church age book, in the Thyatiran age, he says, 
I know, he quotes, I know your faith, as God is speaking to the Thyatiran church. He says, I know your faith. Now, he does not say here, as he did to the church in Pergamos, you hold my faith. He is not talking about his faith now, but he is commending them for their faithfulness. And as he does, he also mentions their patience. Now, faithfulness and patience go together. In fact, patience is an outcome of faithfulness. For James 1.3 says, The trying of your faith worketh patience. All right? Don't worry, this will all fit together here in a few minutes. Let me just take the nuggets for now. There's absolutely no other way in which to gain patience. It has to come by the trial of our faith. Tribulation worketh patience. How highly God regards this outworking of our patience is seen in James 1 and verse 4. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Amen. So come to the full assurance of it. Come to the full measure of that patience, he says. God's will for us is perfection. Praise the Lord. We might not even understand what perfection means, but that's God's will for us. God's will for us is perfection, and that perfection is patience. Waiting on God and waiting for God. This is the process of character development. Ah, now we're back to the subject of character, Brother Tim. Can, can you ever get off of it? It's the only thing we're taking with us. God's molding our character, making us fit to rule. So God is bringing tribulations, trials, putting different things on you to try what? Your faith that he might produce in you patience, which will bring out perfection. Amen. This is simple to me, and I believe it's simple to you. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's not deep. He says, this is the process of character development. How highly God has commended these saints of the dark ages, patient as lambs, led to the slaughter, lovingly, faithfully, they serve God. That is all they wanted out of life, just service to their Lord. Amen. How great was to be their reward. See, the devil tries to get you to believe that life is about something different than serving God. Really, you want to have a career, and you want to have this, and you want to have that. You know, Brother Branham lost his children, lost his, his daughter, rather, and his wife. And, he, and, he, and he, said, he said in one place, he says, what have I, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. How can I complain about that? After all, they're not mine to begin with. God gave them to me for a season of time, and then he took them again. And a lot of people don't realize. They think, I have a right to everything. I have a right to all these things. I have a right to every blessing that I think I'm entitled to. And, and every time something gets taken out of their life, they're angry with God. Why'd you take that away from me? I wanted that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm hitting home. Can I preach in this direction, brothers? All right. You know, we, we get that way, don't we? we? We get a little sulky. And we want to know, God, give us the answer. You owe us an explanation. Brother Bram said that once. He said, God, you owe me an explanation. He says, don't ever say that to God. Because God will just let you sit. 
until you get over your pouting. He didn't say pouting. I'm saying pouting. You know, he'll just, he'll just let you sit. He said, finally, after a few months, God came back and says, you know that situation that you said, I owe you an explanation. He says, oh, God, forgive me. You don't owe me anything. I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. I came into this world speaking lies, and you and your grace brought this message by my way. I have everything that I have need of, and everything else I have is just added blessing. Amen. God has blessed me with so much in this world. Just because I don't have what I think I want, you don't even know, but what if you got what you think you want, it would actually destroy you. God knows exactly what you have need of. Don't ever hold that out before. God, you owe me an explanation. Why can't I have this? Oh, no, 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 no. Press in with, to receive a full assurance that what God has promised you, he is able to perform. Hallelujah. Oh, let me, let me read on in, now out of the Philadelphian chapter of the church age book. He says, what does he mean as he speaks to the Philadelphian age? Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. He says, what does he mean by the word of my patience? Then he goes to the scripture we started in. Hebrews 6, 13 to 15. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely I will, in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now listen closely. Are you with me? Everybody, just give me your attention here for a few minutes. He says, you see, the Spirit is speaking about the Word of God which is given to us to wait for the fulfillment of that Word required patience, even as it did in the case of Abraham. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. He was patient and then the word finally was fulfilled. That is the way God teaches his people patience. I'll pause here. Thank you. That is the way God teaches his people patience. Why, if he fulfilled his word in physical manifestations, the very instant you prayed you would never learn patience. And how do you come to perfection? By patience. You would never learn patience, what but would become even more impatient with life. Glory. Aren't you glad for God's word? He's telling us how he's working out his will in our lives. I have a purpose for you. To the promise to this age is to the overcomer will I grant you sit with me in my throne even as I overcame and sat with my father in his throne. Amen. Is that our promise? And if that's our promise, then we must rule. And if we must rule, we must have character. And if we must have character, then we must have patience. If we must have patience, we must have tribulation. And the tribulation only comes after the word has been given to you. Let me quote the prophet now. 
It says Hebrews eleven seventeen. by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. He says, there it is. Abraham after, was, excuse me, Abraham was tried after he received the word of promise. Most think that as soon as we pray in Jesus' name over the good promises of God, that there could not be a trial. But here it says that Abraham was tried after he received the promise. That is exactly correct according to the psalmist. And then he quotes the Psalms. Until the time that the word came, the word of the Lord tried him. God gives us exceeding great and precious promises. That's a direct quote of the scripture. Second Peter chapter 1, stature of a perfect man. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Wherefore giving diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and so on and so forth. All right, I get back to the point here. It says he has promised, God has given us great and exceeding, exceeding great and precious promises. He has promised to fulfill them. He will. How many say amen to that? I believe. I have a full assurance that what God has promised, he will fulfill. Amen. He's promised to fulfill them. He will. But from the time we pray until the time we get the answer, we must learn to receive patience into our souls for only in patience do we possess life. Hallelujah. Only in patience do we possess life. Moses had to be patient with the people. As he was there, you know, 40 years in the wilderness with them after they rejected the word of God. I'm always amazed at Moses. We're bringing this to a close now. I'm sorry, I'm over time. But Moses, in, in patience to the people, God said, I've rejected this people. The very next service, service that Moses preached, he began to preach to the children of Israel. And I think it was Numbers 14. He says, God says to him, say to the children of Israel, when you possess the land. Now, Numbers 13, God had just said, you're not going to possess the land. So, but then God says to Moses, preach to the children of Israel when you possess the land. What is God doing? He says, you're preaching to the next generation. It's going to be 40 years, but you start preaching it now. Amen. With patience, he walked in the wilderness. He was patient with Israel. 40 years in the wilderness. You could go back 80 years from the time they rejected him after 40 years himself in the wilderness, and then 40 years. Joseph in prison. Joseph leaving his family from the time he left his family to the time he sat on the throne, which was the beginning of the fulfillment of the dream, 13 years. Didn't happen overnight. David, the prophet Samuel came in, anointed him with the word of the hour. The word of God came to David, thus saith the Lord, you will be king. Amen? Is that right? That's the word for David. How long was it? David was 15 years from that time before he was king. He had to go through trials. He had to test his faith. He had to go through circumstances. He had to be driven out. He even lived four years amongst the Philistines. You talk about living in Sodom. He had to live amongst the Philistines for four years. What am I doing here? Lord, you promised me I would be king. But David walked in assurance that what he had promised, he is able to fulfill. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I could go on Abraham 25 years, Noah 120 years, so on and so forth, on down through the scriptures. But we now in this hour, let's bring it home. Now in this hour, we have an expectation. What is our expectation? It's for a rapture. Amen. There's a rapture because this is the word of the rapture. But after you receive the word of the rapture, there must be a trying of your rapturing faith. Amen. It's after the word is given. Then comes the trial. Then comes the testing to mold us and shape us with patience into the image of Jesus Christ. After the word comes the trial. And so we must patiently run this race. Now listen. Back to the original scripture. When God made promise to Abraham. Hello children of Abraham. God's promised you a rapture. Do you still believe him? When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Saying, surely blessing, I'll bless you, and multiplying, I'll multiply you. And so, after he, Abraham, had patiently endured, he inherited the promise. Hello, bride. God's made you a promise. We're coming up to Good Friday what we call Good Friday, commemorating the crucifixion this week on Friday, recognizing there was a day that the sacrifice was made, the all-sufficient sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one sacrifice that paid for all sin. There's no more sacrifice. There's no more labor. There's no more effort on your part that's going to pay it. The sacrifice already paid it. The promise is already paid for And when Jesus hung on the cross, Matthew 27 says, he cried with a loud voice and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And they gave him uh, vinegar to drink. And they, they, they said, now, let's see if he's calling for Elijah. Let's see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus, the Bible says, when he cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Now you have to tie that in with John 19, because it says in John 19, where John was at the cross, John was there and saw the situation. He says, now there was a vessel set full of vinegar. They filled it with sponge and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, John didn't say he cried out, but Matthew said he cried out. He cried out, it is finished. And we look back to that this morning and say, since Calvary, the sin question is finished. (laughs) Hallelujah. I might have been born in sin, but I've been born again. And the Lord has given me the assurance that what he has promised, he is able to fulfill it. All of my sins are under the blood. Because 2,000 years ago at Calvary, a man cried out, it is finished. Anybody can cry out, it's finished. But within three days, that same man rose again. Hallelujah. Showing us that we can have a full assurance. That we can know that God fulfills his word. That he accepts the sacrifice. Amen. He might not accept any of my works, but I don't present my works to him. He accepts the work of 2,000 years ago. It is finished. Hallelujah. 
on down to this hour that we live in now. As the musicians come, right down unto the hour. And we've been resting for 2,000 years on that. But now we come down to this hour and the promise of this hour. And listen, in Revelation chapter 5, the, the statement is made, who's worthy to loose the seals and open the book and look thereon? And the Bible says there's no man worthy in heaven or earth or under the earth. And John wept. And then when John wept, the, one of the elders said, Weep not, John, for the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals. And then the Bible says, John rejoiced. The Bible says all heaven rejoiced. The Bible says that the elders rejoice. Bible says that everybody was rejoicing in heaven. And it even goes on to say, if I say it in their words, it says, um, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Now, that's wonderful. But that's not the voice I want to hear. That's wonderful to hear them crying out. It's wonderful to hear that. But there's another voice. And that come in Revelation 10. And the mighty angel descended from heaven. Amen. The mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with the cloud and the rainbow was upon his head and his face was as the sun and his feet was as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand now a book open. Wasn't closed no more. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the, la- on the, la- on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice. Hallelujah. As when a lion roareth. There he is, the lion of the tribe of Judah in this day. Not 2,000 years ago of Calvary saying it's finished. But now in this day, he cries with a loud voice. And when he cries, seven thunders utter their voices. Hallelujah. The mysteries that were contained in the seals. The things that everybody desired to look into. He cried out. And I say, oh God, give me the full assurance of this cry. For it's the mystery contained in those seals that brings rapturing faith into a people. Oh Lord, open our eyes tonight. Let us not be fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. But he simply said, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Don't write it now, John. But the mysteries that are contained here in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Hello, fruit of the seventh angel. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, when they hear his voice, There'll be another voice, a voice of a lion, a voice of seven thunders that'll utter out into a message, hallelujah, that'll reach out into a people. And I want to say to you tonight, be diligent and be not slothful, 
but lay hold on the full assurance of the message of this hour. For the full assurance of this message is the full assurance of the rapture. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. What an Easter time we're coming to. He cried 2,000 years ago, but I want to say he cried again in this hour. Have you heard his cry? Has he uttered it in a way that you catch it? He says, what was in those thunders, no one knows, but we need to know. And it will take a prophet to get the revelation because God has no other way of bringing out his scriptural revelations except by a prophet. The word always came to a prophet and always will. Hallelujah. The full assurance. Hallelujah. Key of C. Amazing grace shall always be my song of
the words, for the blood will never lose its power. 840 is the old number. I don't know if that means anything to us anymore. The blood that Jesus shed way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It's the blood that gives us assurance. It's the blood that gives us boldness. I have no boldness in my own thoughts, my own actions, my own whatever. I have no confidence. Even as Paul says, we are of those that have no confidence in the flesh. That's who we are. But we have confidence in the blood. And that blood will never lose its power. It's the way for us into the presence of God. If you don't know the blood in your own life, I say, lay hold on the full assurance. Give all diligence. Be not slothful. It's not about doing this or not doing that. It's lay hold on the assurance that lays in the revealed word of the hour. Oh God, let it be so I can see that you will always fulfill your word in my life. Amen. Don't you want that this evening? Amen. If you're a seer tonight and you're a sinner, if you're online and you're a sinner, I convince you, I adjure you, go to Jesus Christ tonight. I can't give it to you. I haven't got any works that are sufficient in the, in the sight of God, but he can give it to you. If you'll just look to Calvary and lay a hold with assurance, say, I accept the blood of Jesus Christ tonight. I accept it for everything that I have need of. Just accept it by faith tonight. The blood that Jesus shed for me. Oh, on The blood that gives me strength from me.
matter if you're on the mountaintop, it'll reach you there. It doesn't matter if you're in the valley, it'll reach you there. It doesn't matter if you're out in the sea on rough waters, in the midst of a storm, it'll reach you there. Hallelujah. It will never lose its power. It will never lose its power. He will fulfill his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, how we love you. How we love to come into your presence. And let the veil drop behind us, oh God. Forget about the things of the world. Forget about the lies of the devil. Forget about the temptations of the flesh. Forget about the trials and the tribulations, oh God. And just stand in your presence and praise you, oh God. And say, Lord, you have provided all we have need of, Lord. You've already provided how we praise your name. Oh, Lord, Calvary paid it all. And, Lord, we stand once again in the midst of a voice crying out. And we've heard your voice. And we stand tonight with a full assurance that what Calvary paid for and you have promised is being fulfilled right around us, Lord. We're caught in, as it were, a vortex, Lord. We're caught in a constellation. It's not us doing it, Lord. It's you doing it. You're fulfilling your word. You're bringing your promises to pass. You're quickening your people. You're opening the eyes of the blind. Lord, you're bringing to pass a reality in every life. Oh, Lord, we just rejoice in your presence. Say, let it be unto us according to your word. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor for you're worthy of all majesty. Unto you belongs all the glory. Lord, we remember those that are not here tonight. As we've heard, many are traveling to different meetings in different places. I'll be traveling to take services in Edmonton. Brother Murphy will be ministering here on Sunday. Lord, may you anoint Brother Murphy with a double portion, Lord. Oh, God, bring us all into your great presence. I'll be in Edmonton. I need your help, Lord. I pray, Lord, you'd be with us in Edmonton. Oh, God, just your will be done, Lord. Be with the meetings in Switzerland, Lord. Be with Easter meetings all around the world, Father. Your will be done, Father. We love you. We thank you that we can be in your will. We thank you that you brought your word by our way. Thank you, Lord. We commit now this service into your hands. It's now history, Lord. But your word is eternal. It will not return void. May it encourage the people. And may we be found as ministers not just preaching urgency, but preaching the faith which supplies the urgency. Oh, Lord, let faith rise up in your people that, Lord, the full assurance would bring that peace in each and every life, Lord, we pray. We love you, Lord. We thank you just to be able to take your word and feed on it means so much to us, Father. 
as much time as we've got left on the face of the earth. Lord, may you grant that we'll just draw ever closer to you. We commit all to you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do you love him? Amen. We love him so much. I won't keep you with any more songs. You just uh, be mindful of the words that you heard tonight. That God would that you would be in a full assurance of what he's done for you. What he's promised, he shall perform. God bless you. The service is dismissed. Shake hands with one another as you go in Jesus' name.